Amen. Good morning, everybody. If you can please turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Uh, we're coming to the close in the series principle of the path. Uh, for me, somehow, whenever I close the series, it almost feels sad to me. It feels like I'm saying goodbye to something. Uh, and so today we're saying a goodbye uh, to the principle of the path. Now, uh, I, I know it's sort of often how I do a series is almost like one big message divided up into parts. And that's why every week I just give you a brief rundown of where we've come from. So if you may be visiting for, uh, with us today that you have an idea where we're coming from. So what we've learned so far is that the principle of the path says that your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. That we all have great intentions for our spiritual life. Uh, We have great intentions financially, relationally, marriage, uh, a lot of great intentions. But then we we jump on a path that takes us completely in a different direction. And when when we land in that particular place, it's not our intention. We are shocked. Uh, and the principle of the path says that that's just the way that it works. It's like gravity. Uh, whether you like gravity or not, whether you know about gravity or not, or whether you want to admit that there's gravity or not, gravity is there. If I'm going to walk off the stage, I am going up. Okay? Unless it's my day. <clears throat> but I, I, <clears throat> I'm going up. I, I, I'm going down. The principle of the path uh, works the same way. And I know through the years as I have, spoken about this principle, people say, well, where does grace fit into all of this? I mean, can't grace sort of, you know, I took this direction, this is my thing, can't grace bend me there? Grace is that God still loves you, and He still believes in you, and He still has hope for you in your destination where you now are. But as, as if I jump on the N4 to Botswana, hoping that I'm going to get into Durban, it's, it's just not going to happen. And again, God will be with me in Botswana. That's His grace. He doesn't, he doesn't sort of leave me because I'm stupid. <laughs> he, he's with me in Botswana, and He cares for me in Botswana, and He would prayerfully send people on my path to Botswana to help me make my way back to Durban. But He's not going to magically transport me from Botswana to Durban because I took the, the wrong direction. So God loves us. He, he doesn't give up on us. But sin and choices has consequences. Even if you have the greatest regret, if, if you sleep, and I've seen this again through the years, someone, a teenager, sleeps with a boy, the boyfriend sleeps with a girlfriend, she falls pregnant, the boyfriend's all cut up. God will, if he's repentant, God will forgive him, but the child's coming. I guess that's, that's, that's the consequence. That is the principle of the path. So very importantly then is to know, am I on the right path? And we, we looked in week two, we looked at that as saying, well, how do I know if I'm on the right path? Is, uh, is one as I need to study whatever it is that I'm looking at. If I, if I want to know how, what is the purpose of life, I better study it in the Bible and see what is God's purpose for my life. Am I on the right path there? If I want to know how to handle my finances, I need to do the same. Marriage, all, all areas of life, the Bible guides us in it. Also looked at that, we need to ask wise, godly counselors, advice. You know me, you've seen my life, you've seen the path that I walk. Do you think it's going to take me to where I want to be? And then last week, we looked at this proverb in Proverbs 3, Proverbs chapter 3, where we said, what happens even before all of this? We said that we need to trust God. 
And Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So, so even before I study, well, what is, what is God's purpose for marriage? How does He want me to be as a husband? How does He want me to be as a single? Even before I do that, I need to make a decision. So I'm going to trust Him. So whatever comes from these scriptures, whatever advice that I get, it might not be what I feel like doing, but I'm going to put my trust my hope in God. I'm going to do what He says because I trust Him. Because He's all-powerful, all-wise, and all-loving. We looked at that last week. So today, what we're going to talk about is, so direction determines destination, but what determines direction? And that is, again, one word, attention. Attention influences direction. Whatever we pay attention to somehow influences the direction that we take. Think of terminology that we use. Something grabbed my attention. Something captured my attention. And when it captured or grabbed my attention, what does it do? It actually influences my direction. It influences the path that I take. When I was 18, again, we are in the teen years, but when I was, and I, be, I became a disciple when I was 19, so most, most of the trauma happened before 19. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened afterwards, but the, the, the more stupid stuff was certainly before. And uh, it was two weeks before the final exam, and my girlfriend uh, then, her name was Liesl, we dated for two and a half years. And two weeks before the final exam, she felt like this was a good time to break up with me. Oh, man, I was cut. It was painful. I was madly in love with her. I felt like, and I know looking in the rearview mirror now, I can see, man, I was really weird. But it felt like my life was come to an end. I literally was like, why, Lord, why? I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. I felt like... Why have you forsaken me? I'm trying to be a good man. (laughs) This went on for weeks. Then one day, old family friends came over to visit, and I've uh, seen the mom and dad, but not the kids for quite some time. The mom looked at my condition, and she she said to me, Hey, maybe you should, uh, I know you've not seen my daughter in quite some time. Maybe you should go and say hi to her and go and visit her. Maybe that will cheer you up. And so uh, that's what I did the next week. So the next week I went to visit Lisa. And uh, uh, as I, I walked through the front door and I saw her, very godly, and I saw her, man, she captured my attention. Okay, I was healed. Instantly, miraculously, it was Liesl behind me, Lisa before me. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided. She captured my attention, and by capturing my attention, she changed my direction. That night, I slept like a baby. 
a year or so later, Lisa became a Christian. And uh, <clears throat> she, being a good Christian, wanted to reach out to me. At that time, we weren't dating. But she, she reached out to me, and she shared some radical truths from the Scriptures with me. Man, those truths... As I sat there and listened to her, and I can still see the picture. This is over 20 years ago. I can still clearly see her sitting there and her sharing those things. Those truths captured my attention in a massive way and completely changed the direction of my life from that day forward. Two years after that, the uh, uh, leadership of the church approached me and asked me whether I would consider going into the full-time ministry, whether that would be something that would interest me. Again, the full-time ministry just captured my attention completely. It felt like it grabbed a hold of me and, again, changed my life completely. But what do we see? Attention determines direction. Direction determines destination. Unfortunately, through the years, I've also had some nags in my life. A nag is a negative attention grabber. Through the years, there's been people or things or opportunity that also grabbed my attention but shifted me in the wrong direction. And this was particularly true when it came to friends. I grew up in a religious home and in my own way loved God in a way I, I did. I didn't know how to, but I tried. And yet, as I, as I finished school, I became friends with a, and while I was in the Navy, with a very unique crew <laughs> of people. And these were, these were sincere guys and, uh, I mean, fun guys and, and, and what have you. But whatever ha- happened up to then, up to then, I was sort of living a fairly moral life. And... It should have been a clear sign to me that one day the guy said to me, in the basic training, he said, one of his friends, he said, man, I, I cannot wait till we finish the basic training. Then the group of us, we can go to a place called the Smokehouse. That says a lot. And then we can stand there in the balcony overlook Cape Town with a beer in the one hand and a joint in the other hand. I said, geez, dude, I don't smoke dope. So he said, no, well, you can stand there with a beer in the one hand and a beer in the other hand. I thought, see, he's respecting me. <laughs> uh, we eventually finished the Navy, and uh, I drove with some of these guys. We drove to town in this little Renault 5, and we were sitting, and as I'm sitting in the back of the car, suddenly all of them lights up a joint. Oh, man, I'm in panic. I'm thinking, God's watching. He's seeing me amongst the dope. <laughs> <clears throat> I try to open one of those little back windows, but it's not one that you can roll down. This little Renault 5 just says, I'm... <laughs> And and slowly but surely, it chipped away at me. They influenced me. That was where my attention went. To the teens, I want to say to you guys, your friendships are a lot more important than what you think. And I know often we say, well, hey, well, they live a much different life than I do, but we still connect. It still works. Let me tell you from experience, it doesn't. I went backwards. I, I went backwards fast and furious. Because that's where my attention went. 
I'm sure all of us, as we sit here, we can think of examples throughout our lives where something grabbed our attention and then set us in a particular direction, sometimes to our benefit and sometimes to our detriment. But I'm sure as we look in the rearview mirror, we can see that cycle. Attention, direction, destination. This morning, we're going to take a look at four scriptures in the Bible that makes this principle very clear. And we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, just to give you some context to that, I know a number of us must probably know the story. Uh, But Israel has been wandering around in the desert for 40 years because they've been unfaithful to God. And they've now come to the time where they're about to enter the promised land. And Moses has this bit of a talk with them, giving them guidance as to what to do and how to live when they enter the promised land. And he basically says to me, he says, so listen, you guys, when you enter the promised land, you have to remember what God has done for you. Because let me tell you what, when you move into that land with those nations, you're going to be tempted to be captured by their gods, their ways, their values, their morals, their view of life. It is going to come after you. And then he says in Deuteronomy Uh, verse chapter 7 verse 11 when that happens take care to follow the commands decrees and laws i give you today if you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them then the lord your god will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your forefathers he will love you and bless you and increase your numbers He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and oil, the calves of your herds. You will be blessed more than any other people. He says, guys, listen here. We're about to enter something potentially great given to us by God. He says, but when you enter, we're not going to be there by ourselves. The people of the land will be there too. Do not allow the people of the land, the things of the land, the opportunities of the land, their morals, their values. Do not allow it to capture your attention. Because as your attention goes, so goes your direction. He says, but rather pay attention to all the laws and commands that God has given you. And if you do, God says he will bless you. He will walk with you. You will prosper. You will do great. See, and that's the challenge with attention. Attention can happen in one or two ways. Either something grabs your attention, which is usually very emotionally driven. I don't know if that's ever happened to any of us. And when something grabs your attention, what does it do? It seems to gain control over you. It grabs your attention. It takes you into it. He says, when you go into the land, the people are going to try and do that. He says, but you should do the exact opposite. There's another way that attention can have an effect. He says, what you should do rather is you should not be grabbed by attention. You should pay attention. You should choose. You should intentionally go into this land and focus on God's word. Let it guide you. And if you do, God will bless you. You'll be prosperous. 
So how did they end up doing with this? It was really a bit of a seesaw situation. In the beginning, they paid attention. But then as they acclimatized in their new environment, the people of the land became attractive. Their gods became attractive. And they forgot about God's ways. And they lived in difficulty. And God opposed them. And the land would not produce fruit. And things were going badly. Then suddenly they realized, oh no, we need to pay attention. So they would pay attention. And things would go better. And as things would go better, they would turn to the other gods. They would turn to the other people. And they went like this, up and down, up and down for many years. Till God eventually said, listen here, you guys got one more shot at this. If you don't pay attention and change your ways, I'm going to send you into exile. You're going to go into captivity. And into captivity, they went for 70 years. 70 years, they paid a price because they did not pay attention to what God said. While in captivity, they once again realized we need to Pay attention to what the Lord has commanded them. And God is gracious as they paid attention and they changed their paths. God helped them back again on the path and helped them to heal once again. What was God teaching them through this exercise again and again? Attention, direction, destination. What you pay attention to will eventually determine where you land. Take a look in Psalm 119. I'm showing you four scriptures. I want you to see the same theme throughout the Bible. Many years have passed now since Moses gave his talk. Uh, we're now in the Psalms, and we, uh, we don't really know who wrote this. Some people say Daniel, some say David, and there was a third one. I can't remember the third one. Um, <clears throat> but it's a prayer. Again, we, we, we learn something great from it. Verse 35, he prays. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart, my attention, towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes, my attention, away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. He's praying, says, God, I need your help. He says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Why? He was getting this. The psalmist was seemingly realizing that his attention influenced his destination at the end of the day by influencing his direction. If we, the Bible says, constantly turn our hearts towards God and towards His ways. You'll benefit. You will be better for it. But not only will you be better for it, everyone around you will be better for it. Whenever I walk closely with Jesus, I have a happier wife. Whenever I walk close to Jesus, I have happier children. I have happier neighbors. It is nicer to be around me as God is directing my heart. He says, I turn my heart to your statutes and away from selfish gains. 
away from, well, it's about me. It's about my career. It's about my hobbies. It's about my desires. It's about what I want out of life. And when I thought I was going to be 30, I wanted this and 40 this and 50 this and 60 this. And it's all about me, me, me. He says, if you go down that path, let me tell you, it has a predictable destination that will eventually ruin you and everyone else around you. The psalmist prays and says, God, listen, I don't want to end up there. Therefore, turn my eyes away from these worthless things. Let me tell you, that is a prayer that we need to be praying in Johannesburg. That is a prayer that we need to be saying every day, God, please turn my eyes away from worthless things that is not ultimately going to take me to your presence. That's not going to help your son's image to be forged and formed in me because my natural tendency, Father, is that it wants to go there. Therefore, please help me to not go that way, but to pay attention this way to what it is that you want for my life. Preserve my life according to your word. Attention, direction, destination. Proverbs chapter 4. Deacon, please turn there. I take a bit of a water break every time you guys turn. Okay, this is a great proverb that I think is written to all of us, but particularly to those who struggle with impurity and those who spend too much time in shopping malls. Verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. That's how it starts. So when you're in the mall, what should you do? Let your eyes look straight ahead. Because why? Your attention determines your direction. So if I look straight ahead, that's where I will go. When I turn my head to the side, what do I see? I see a dress. I see a handbag. I see a gadget. I see something that is so pretty. I see something with a beautiful red little tag on it that says, Sale. And before I know it, that beautiful thing is with me in the car driving home. And when I get home and I need to explain this to my spouse, I say, I have no idea how this happens. It just did. It's the same with sexual purity. Look straight ahead. Why? It's usually the things on the sides that get us into trouble, not the things that are straight ahead. He continues, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Again, what is he saying? Be intentional. I don't know how many of you have kids that have, that have played the staring game. Have you guys ever done that where you, my kids taught me this a couple of years ago, where you, you need a stare and, and your eyes are not allowed to blink. So we stare, it's a sort of a stare down and you just, you open your eyes as wide as you can, you stare and then they stare and then the one that first blinks loses. Oh man, let me tell you, the tears are running from my eyes, but I keep them focused. <laughs> It's saying, be like that. Fix your gaze. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. 
in every area of our lives, whether it's relational, moral, or financial, we're going to be tempted to allow our attention to go to the left or to the right. And therefore he says, don't do that. Fix your gaze. Because if something grabs your attention, it grabs your life. And if it grabs your life, it grabs your future. Matthew 6, our final passage. Again, many years pass. Now we have Jesus teaching us something. Something that might sound familiar by now. Matthew 6, verse 22, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. Now, have you ever wondered, what on earth does that mean? The eye is the lamp of the body. In the first century, I don't know if you know it, but they didn't exactly have street lights, LED lights, torches, and things like that. What they had, and this is the best that I could come up with in short notice, they had a lamp. It's probably not like this, but a lamp. And so what would happen is you would walk in the dark, and whatever direction you wanted to take, what would you do? You would hold out the lamp. I want to go that way, let me put the lamp that way, and then your body follows the lamp. Now I want to go that way, and let my body follow the lamp. Jesus is saying, your eyes is the lamp of the body. Wherever your eyes go, the rest of the body will follow. The eyes is the lamp of your body. If your eyes are good, the Greek word there means wholesome or pure, your whole body will be full of light. So if your eyes, if your lamp is focused on what is wholesome and what is pure, the whole body will experience the same thing. Then I will have Wholesome thoughts, pure thoughts, a wholesome attitude about life, a wholesome faith. What I see, what I pay attention to, will influence my whole being. Verse 23. But if your eyes are bad, impure, not wholesome, your whole body will be full of darkness. How great is that darkness? It says, if your eyes are bad, if my attention goes to things that are not helping me form into the image of Christ, he says, everything will become dark around me. My attitude, my spirit, the way that I look at life, the way that I look at people, it will be critical. It will be complaining. How deep or great is that darkness? What is he saying? The principle of the path can work either for you or it can work against you. If your eyes are the light, it will work for you. It will take you to great places. If your eyes are filled with darkness, it will work against you and it will take you to deep, dark holes. I'm sure that if we were to, <clears throat> if we were to pick today out of a crowd here, and we say, hey, if we think, and this is a difficult thing to do, so I won't mention names, but if it were to say someone has been around for 10, 20, 30 years, who do we view as spiritually really mature? Someone that is faithful, that have stayed the course, that have transformed more into the image of Christ. We say, why don't you come up on stage and, and you take a seat here? 
And then we say, okay, well, who's been married for uh, 20, 30 years and they have an exemplary marriage, the kind of marriage that you look at and say, man, I want to have a marriage like that. And we get them and we come and sit them up here on the stage. And, and then we look at a family where the family is close, they're connected, the, uh, the kids are adult kids, but uh, maybe they're even disciples and then the parents are close and, and we get them up on stage and we, we get a, a thriving 40, 50-year-old single up on stage. We, we get up on stage, someone has been financially secure. And we ask them this question. We know that ultimately everything that happens in our lives, first and foremost, is the grace of God working in us and through us. But from your side, what do you think has helped you, Mr. I'm doing well spiritually? What has helped you to be where you are today? Let me guess what I think they'll tell you. Well, what I did was through the years, I paid attention to spiritual disciplines. By being in my Bible, by being in prayer, the discipline of confession when it was horrible, when I blew it and I didn't feel like talking about it, but I was open and I said it and I included people in my life. What I did is I just paid attention to those things. And we go over to the person, man, you've got a wonderful marriage. I, I love uh, uh, Mark and Joan, uh, and they've got a wonderful marriage. And, and, and usually Lisa and I, whoever we are in, what do you call it, discipling relationships, one another relationship, bond servant relationship, you take your pick of the wording for it. But we always ask, okay, so how are you guys doing? And uh, last week when we did that with the Jocos, said, hey, how are you guys are doing? Mark said this, he said, oh, man, I am enjoying my wife. Can we say that as marrieds? I'm enjoying my wife. I'm enjoying my husband. They're such a gift to me. I'm enjoying them. Let me tell you, if, if, and I didn't ask him, but I'm sure if I do, hey, what has helped you guys? We paid attention to have a date night. We, we, we paid attention to make sure that in the hustle and bustle of raising kids and doing our thing, that we made sure that we got time, even just a couple of minutes to connect and, and look out for each other. And as we move to the family and say, well, what has helped you guys to be a great family? Well, we paid attention. We made sure that we have a meal every night around the table. Although the TV was trying to capture our attention, we decided that we will not go there, but that we will sit here and we will talk about the highs and the lows and the this and the that. But we paid attention. We made a decision every week spend time with our kids on an individual basis, not just as a group. We paid attention. The thriving single, 40, 50 years old, and I'm single and I'm happy. Why? Because I paid attention to God's call for my life and His purposes and I trust Him. The financially secure, I paid attention to my spending and I made sure that I live within my means. It's all the same thing. Attention, direction, destination. I'm sure that listen, each of us in here, we have dreams, don't we? I have a dream of <clears throat> when I'm 60, 70, what kind of relationship I want to have with God. I want to hear him when it's all said and done. Say, welcome home, good and faithful servant. I want to be faithful. I want to say, I, I want God to be able to say, you've stayed the course. You've been faithful. I'm so proud of you. You've stumbled. You've fallen. But I love you, man. You made it. We have a place where in marriage, and, and, and I don't want to just speak to my own life phase, but when you have young children, it is total chaos. 
I had this frightening thought the other day. I have a five-year-old. I've got a 12-year-old, but also a five-year-old. And I thought it would be seven more years before the five-year-old is 12. (laughs) Seven. Can I do this? For another seven years. And then she'll only be 12. When my oldest one leaves high school, the other one only goes to high school. Pray for me, it's a long journey. But a question in it is, man, these guys, and they mean well, they're good-spirited kids, but they can be like little sponges. Will we still have a marriage when it's left? Will there be anything left when it's done? I have a picture of what kind of marriage I want to have. I have a picture of what kind of family I want to have. I have a picture of all these things, and my guess is so do you. So what's going to get you there? Here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Today, most probably if you don't do it today, it's not going to happen. So try today. Get a mental picture in your mind of where you want to see yourself spiritually 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. Get a mental picture of where you want to see your marriage or your family or your friendships or your finances in a godly manner. I'm not meaning pursuing wealth. Get a picture of where you want to see it 10 years 20 years, 30 years from now. Then backtrack it. I said, okay, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, one year, today. What do I need to pay attention to today that will set me on a path that through and with God's grace and the help of His people and the Bible, as I pay attention to that, will lead me to where I want to be 10, 20, 30 years from now. That is the principle of the path, my friends. Attention, direction, destination. Let us pay attention to the right things and let us allow God to lead us to where He wants us to go. God bless. Amen.